Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. I know when people listen to this, the game will have already been played. Uh, for the most part. But right now, it hasn't. Super Bowl 85 or whatever it is this, this year. I'm not sure, actually, to be honest. And I know Jennifer Lopez is performing at halftime with Shakira. Why? I don't know. What is she, like 70? <laughs> uh, no, she's 50. Oh, really? And she looks better than you and I do. Don't You know what? Don't drag me down with you. I look great. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Who's playing? Uh, San Francisco and Kansas. Who do you like? Who are you going to uh, pick? I don't really care, actually. But how I guess if I have to go with somebody, about, I might as well go with... How about we put away... It goes with today's show about making money real... Let's put real money on it. No. Real dollars. No. 100 bucks. Okay, fine. Who do you got? Kansas. Well, I want a Kansas. Oh, you didn't say so first. I can go for San Francisco if you want. I really don't care. I got Kansas because you see that Kansas fight that broke out? Dude picked up a chair. That was basketball. I don't care. Fine. If you want Kansas, I'll take San Francisco. And regardless, this is how this is going to go. We have the same bank account. The $100 is going to stay in it. Nope. You got to go get cash. Cold, hard cash. So I'm going to go to the checking account that we have together because that's where my paycheck goes. Take $100 out and give it to you so you can put it back in said bank account. I see we're going to have to figure a different way for you to work off this $100. Nope. Nope. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello, everyone. I am now $100 richer. Again, same checking account. Hmm. I wonder if... I, you know, I really know nothing about either team, so let's not get into that. Right. Today, we are going to talk about the disassociation of the actual value of money. Okay. And I got a, a video I'll bring up, but it, it's going to talk about Disney. I mean, we'll, let's wait till... Well, let's do it now. So, you, we went to Disney a couple years ago. Yeah. And when you go to Disney, what do they, they give you? Wristbands now. They call it, what is it, the magic band or something? Oh, yeah, something like that. I don't know. Which we didn't actually stay on campus. Mike's mom came with us and she stayed in our hotel room and we got a condo because with three kids in one hotel room, doesn't work out so well. Wasn't, yeah. Guess was- who took their wristbands off campus and left them at the condo so they couldn't get back in? 
these guys. <laughs> yeah, that was something. Luckily, they also have your name at the front gate. Because the guy goes, what do you mean you don't have your wristbands? It's also your room key. And we just kind of looked at him like, I got nothing, dude. Yeah, they didn't really understand that. Anyway. <laughs> but what it's done, I forget the stat, but I think it was the moment they switched to that, sales or revenues went up something like 20 or 30%. Because hmm. you also use that to, you know buy a soda or right. buy they dinner. They basically or, scan it for everything. You want to go into the Magic Kingdom, you scan your wristband. You want to go here, you scan your wristband. Like That's basically what they use it for. Yeah, and it's your wallet. Yeah. So, <clears throat> we're going to... We'll, we'll bring up a video about a guy from the United Kingdom and about using real money in Monopoly. Mm-hmm. And then from there, oddly enough, but you agreed with me, this does tie in. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about leasing. Yes. Or, or Dave Ramsey calls fleecing. What? Yeah, he, he... he, You know, for being somebody who makes fun of millennials, that's the total millennial thing. Sure is. Slamming two words together and making it into one. Like uh, Brexit, Brad Jelena, and now fleecing. It should be, you know what he should do? He wants to be more millennial? Hmm. Hashtag fleecing. Okay. Anyways, let's steer clear of Dave Ramsey or we'll be here all day. Nope, only a half hour. <laughs> okay, so. All right, so what happens? Here's a speaker, Adam Carroll. Mm-hmm. The title of his speech, What Playing Monopoly with Real Money Taught Me About Kids and Humanity. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not really sure it told him so much about humanity. I've watched this a few times, but let's take it from the beginning. Here we go. Adam Carroll, everyone. I recently completed an unsanctioned, unsupervised psychological experiment on my children. <laughs> the premise of which was... You know, if he would have stopped there, he could have made everyone really uncomfortable. Correct. And like, what if he would have been like, see this? And he like pulled out like a, a sucker. Right. Here's what I did. Everyone would have just cringed. But right. sorry, I don't know he why. Didn't, no, he, he didn't, though. He didn't. $10,000 in cash on the kitchen table and a sign next to it that said, don't touch the money yet. And before I dive into it, you should know that we are a game-playing family. We play ball games, board games, dice games, card games. We play all sorts of games, but the games that my children love to play most are games like Monopoly. And when they play Monopoly, they play marathon games of Monopoly that last hours and hours over days of play. Each of my kids has a unique strategy and personality when they play Monopoly. My daughter, who is 11, she is always the dog. She plays entirely for chance and community chess cards. You you could say that she uses the luck strategy. My nine-year-old son is always the car, a very strategic player. He buys all of the railroads and all of the utilities and then proceeds to put houses and hotels on the most expensive properties. Very savvy. And then his younger brother, who is seven, He buys everything that he lands on with no exception. (laughs) You. (laughs) That's not me. No, I know. I've won every time we played Monopoly. Right. I know your strategy, though, now. Yeah, I know. It's kind of baloney. I don't know. Which is fitting because he is the wheelbarrow. (laughs) And my strategy is an easy strategy. Buy the cheap properties, build up the hotels before anybody really has money, and boom, you're broke problem is it's not even cheap properties it's the two right after start 
Well, and the Oriental and the light blues. Which are also right after start. Yes. I like to have that entire row and the railroads and the utility companies. It right. worked for Vanderbilt. Okay. All right. So, he lays out each of his kids have a strategy and they've always only played with Monopoly money. Correct. And he goes to the bank, it's $10,000, and then is going to see, do they play any differently with real money? And maybe something most of us men should learn, he probably should have ran this by his wife first. Yeah. Because I'm cutting through some of it, but apparently her reaction before realizing that the money was going to go back was not a good one. Um, If I came home and you had $10,000 on the dinner table and the kids were playing with it, I would have a heart attack. That's all it would take? Wow. (laughs) Okay. Next week, fireproof your finances with only one of us. And a police report. No. It's legal. Okay. Continue. This thought, what if they're playing this way because the money isn't real? And it's this concept I've been reading a lot about lately. It's called financial abstraction. The notion that when money becomes more and more of an idea, less tangible and therefore more abstract, it changes the way that we interact with it on a regular basis. And there's anecdotal evidence of abstraction everywhere around us. All you have to do is listen carefully to people who say, I loaned my child or grandchild a phone, and a month later I had all these errant in-app charges showing up on my bill. In 2014, Apple reimbursed customers for in-app purchases that were unapproved, mostly by children, to the tune of $32.5 million. Now, guess what? Holy cow. You know who's never had that problem? You. Blackberry. You don't have an Apple. But now, anytime that you want to purchase something, you have to type in a password. Do you? Probably. But that also doesn't help Apple because you can save your password in said whatever. So it does the same thing. Now, he's calling it financial abstraction here. But, and we got to take a break. But when we come back, let's talk about how that works with your 401k. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Before you dive back into it. Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, at Fireproof Show. Although I have to say, I was scrolling through some stuff, mostly because I keep getting notifications about Kobe Bryant, which is sad. Yes. But... We haven't put anything on there since I November. I know. So we need to do that. But how, how's this follow week? us. You know, I love this. You say, you look at me right in the eyes. You're like, we need to do this. And then later on, you'll be like, so did you do anything on Twitter? No. Um, I would just like to remind you about something. That you have an iPhone and it can tweet? No. That like you, you pitched this idea of a radio show and then said, oh, by the way, we're doing it. Did, this was not a discussion. So you picked up Twitter. You hey, get to update it. Do you have thumbs? Yes, I do. You got fingers? Yes, I do. You got a phone? Does you it have, can figure it out. Does, it have does your inter- BlackBerry not have Twitter? It doesn't. No, uh, uh-huh. it's, t- it's tweet no. free. Anyways, I will get him back on Twitter. Follow us there. Thank you to our sponsors. Yes. Global Auto Works, Muskegon International Airport. 
We're going to stop calling that. People are going to get confused. I know. But back to your playing Monopoly with real money. All right. So he talks about the um, financial abstraction that... Uh, let's actually replay that. What did he say? Because uh, he said it, I thought, really well. An idea less tangible and therefore more abstract, it changes the way that we interact with it on a regular basis. And there's anecdotal... So this is why I said, let's translate that to the 401k. Mm-hmm. So when people are years and years and years away, decades away from using their money, it's abstract. Right. It's this money for something decades away. Right. And as it gains or it loses value, the impactfulness is muted from the standpoint that you don't even really think of it as real right now mm-hmm. because you're not going to touch it anyway. Right. But as we get closer to retirement and you start thinking about using it, you start thinking about, okay, if I were to retire today, what if I lost my job? What if my health went bad? If I touch this now, I would buy this with it. I would take out this much each month to support my monthly, you know, to supplement my monthly income. Right. I would use this for a vacation. The moment you start using that, that abstractness goes away. Mm Mm-hmm. And it becomes real. And what they say, the less real it feels, the more differently you handle it. And in that case, earlier on in retirement, I think you handle it better. Not early on in retirement. Early on in your um, accumulation of the employer-sponsored plans or the retirement plans, you probably make better decisions because that risk and the volatility, I don't think is as impactful to you. And behavioral finance is proving that. Right. That you react differently. But as you get closer to retirement, as you get closer to thinking about using it, as it becomes more real, your reaction to events changes. And he's going to talk about that here with his own kids. Let's jump back in here at the, I think, three minute mark. The Imagineers at Disney were charged with making the parks frictionless. So this is what we're talking about, those magic bands. That's what they called it. So they invested a billion dollars in a magic band. That was billion, by the way, with a B. Yes. For a little band. Like, it doesn't seem like that should cost a billion dollars. Yeah, but when they buy them by the thousands, because you get a new one every time you go. I think he's saying the technology. Well, that too. It's a wearable device that functions as your room key, your park ticket, and your ID and wallet when you're on park property. And he goes on to say how much that increased their sales by the financial abstraction, making it feel less real like we talked about earlier. Well, right. You walk into a store on, because they've got five million of them. Yeah, and it's, it's every corner. Just hold your watch up to the thing. Oh, boom, you're taken care of. No big deal. And right. most people didn't look at the price tags. Yeah, and you're like, hey, can I get some extra ketchup? They're like, sure, let me scan your wrist. And you're Correct. like, oh, okay. The Next thing you know. The problem with the technology is they also made that available to children. You're like, well, how can we have a $50 charge for ketchup? <laughs> that would be your youngest's fault. Yeah, we didn't have More ketchup, please. Although we More did get ketchup, a bunch please. of charges for like the um, the bar. I'm going to call them bar nuts. Oh, yeah. We had like those $25 good. in bar nuts for one time at a restaurant. Technically, it was like their mix, which they had the Whatever. wasabi peas in them that was delicious. Yeah, it was definitely worth $45 or $25. I mm-hmm. mean, it's what yeah. happens when you go to... You have never seen kids' eyes light up the way mine did when I handed each of them $1,500 in starter capital. So he's talking about when he started the game... He had that $10,000 put away with the sign that said, don't touch this yet with a little smiley face. And now he's handing him the $1,500 in cash. Yep. To play the game. Start that over. 
is light up the way mine did when I handed each of them $1,500 in starter capital. And you have never seen anyone's eyes light up like my wife's when I took it back on Monday. <laughs> All of it. That would be you. So our- Do you remember the time I went on Fox? And I, I think it was ten grand. And you watch the show live, and I get this text from you. What are you doing? I brought real money to emphasize the impactfulness of little decisions. And I get this text from you. What are you doing with real cash? Yeah, was it really that much? Yeah. Yeah, that was not a good day. Yeah. The bank that I go to charged me $100 for depositing cash. I'm sure they did because that's not easy to take out and put back in. No, no, no. Not take it out. To put it back in. Our marathon game only lasted two and a half hours, far shorter and more strategic than most of the games that are normally played. True to my hypothesis, two of my three kids actually played differently. My daughter still played the luck card. (laughs) She was the... That is your daughter. Yes. First one bankrupted. (laughs) And she happily retired to the living room to read a book. Also, your daughter. My youngest son, the wheelbarrow, did not buy everything that he landed on. Instead, he carefully calculated how many rolls away he was from one of his brother's properties and how much he would owe his brother if he landed on said property and made his decisions based on that. In effect, having real money on the table and a cash prize at the end made him more conservative. Hmm. Made him more, I would say, defensive. Correct. And my middle son, very strategic, still bought all of the railroads, still have bought all the utilities, but did not buy Boardwalk and Park Place or Mayfair and Park Lane. But instead, he put hotels immediately on Oriental and Baltic Avenue. That's my guy, right there. Yeah, yeah. Your two golden child properties. By the way, wrong. It's Mediterranean and Baltic. I know, but they've changed the game now. No, he's, he doesn't know it because he's from the UK. Oh, well, then the game's probably different over there. No, it's not because he's going to give you the... Would you stop arguing with me? He gives you the UK version here in a second. Watch. Okay. Or Coventry and Leicester Square on the UK version. See? Mediterranean and Baltic. Okay. He doesn't have a British accent. He is probably from America and he's at the London Business School. Maybe. Fair. I don't know because he still has it wrong. And when I asked him why he did that, in his own words, he said, Dad, they're just more affordable properties. Think about that. If you don't remember, he said that his oldest, what was the property, like our oldest, what was the property his oldest always tried to buy? Park Place or Boardwalk. And now, and and we skipped through some of it because we ran, you know, we just wouldn't have enough time. But he talked about how he's tried to coach his son in the past, like, don't always buy that one. It's too expensive. Right. And once he made the money real. Once there were actually legitimate stakes in the game. Then it was. And they thought they got to keep the money. (laughs) Then it was, well, it's just a better deal. I'd buy these properties. Correct. So there's consequence to it. And when there's consequence, we change what we do. Mm -hmm. Let's take our last break and then we'll come back. I'm not sure we're going to have enough time to talk about leasing, but... There's always next week. Sure. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com.
United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. It's always our pleasure to be with you. So in the break, we, we, we called an audible. Yeah. Let's do leasing a car next week. Yes. Because I've also got a story about somebody who asked me whether it makes sense to pay their car off. Mm-hmm. And as a teaser, it's only $25 a month in interest. So what difference would it make? And financially, huh. it's irrelevant. Yeah. Mathematically irrelevant. But the behavioral finance part, which falls into what the story here of Monopoly, it's yes. behavioral finance. Which, sidebar, our oldest is going to know exactly what it's like to work for minimum wage. <laughs> Do you want to tell people why? Oh, he broke a window at school on Monday. And he's lucky one of us works in glass or he would be working for minimum wage for like a month twice to as pay long, for yeah. it he doesn't know how much it costs yet so he's gonna get a rude awakening when i hand him a broom and go the shop's dirty buddy are you telling me he's not gonna have financial abstraction <laughs> <laughs> right all right but anyway that's been fun so um somebody i've been working with for a while now and we've been working with their behaviors Mm -hmm. and this is going to sound like something to a lot of people that all right i would never do that but i think it's a little ridiculous so they've been uh, subsidizing their children's lifestyle and their children are past college age already Right. And people act like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know what? There's a lot more of that going on than you realize. Because A, I meet people all the time and I see it. B, they made a movie about it. Right. What was that called? Failure to Launch. Matthew McConaughey. Which was long before its time, actually. So it's a thing. So stop judging people about it. I never thought my parents would and they subsidized my brothers like it's nobody's business. Not their daughters, heaven forbid. Oh boy, here comes the middle child syndrome again. (laughs) Oh, honey, you're hungry and you need groceries. I'm sorry, we're broke. Oh, Tony, you need groceries. You play basketball. It's fine. We'll go spend money. You serious or not, Clark? (laughs) I'm just saying it does happen. All right, let's move on before we get a diatribe about how bad you had it. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway. In your privileged suburban lifestyle. Uh Uh-huh. Right. All right. So I've been working with this husband and wife. And they've been subsidizing their children's lifestyles. Yes. And talking about behaviors, right? And eliminating that abstract of money. So one of the things I did is I went over their W-2s with them. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to go dig through credit card statements and kind of things that they knew they were spending money up on for themselves. They went through, kind of made a budget. Mm-hmm. But then by going through the tax return and, and W-2s, I knew exactly what was coming in the house. Right. And there was a pretty big gap. So it was, well, where, you know, where is this going? I had to get them to the realization that they understood it was going to the kids. Right. 
And what it meant was both of them, not at the same time, but I mean, you could use either or, about half of their, what was it, half or a third of, the, of their paycheck was going towards this subsidization. Right, on two grown adult children. That they never realized. But you put it, I, I go, I, here's what I want you to realize. I want you to realize that on an eight-hour day, the first, I think it was three hours, first three hours. You're working for your kids. Every day. Who also have jobs. So that they don't have to. Right. So that they can go do these other things and put it into something tangible. Because that's exactly what that speaker was talking about, is that we lose the tangible effectiveness or the tangible reality of money. And when we lose that tangibleness, mm-hmm. that's when we make poor decisions. Right. So recently they did a great thing. They went shopping, grocery shopping. And in the past, it's been, you know, it's been a given that mom's going to pay for daughter's groceries. And she goes, you know, I was so nervous about this. And it was good at the end. But right. She talked about the anxiety she had. Well, right. Because she's going shopping and she's used to shopping for not only her and her husband, but her daughter. Yep. And... And she's going shopping going, oh my gosh, she's going to be mad. She's going to be mad. She's going to be mad. I think so. She didn't quite articulate that, but I think so. Yes, that's that's exactly what happened. And you know what I asked her? And she didn't know the answer, but I think it'd be fascinating. And it goes back to when you make it tangible, when you make it real, you deal with it differently. I said, so when she was buying, did she know she was buying her own groceries when you guys got there? She said, yes. I go, did she buy anything differently? Like, did she buy fewer groceries? And she goes, I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. My gut is that she did. Mm -hmm. And if she didn't, it's because it's like, well, it's the first time. It's still not real to you. Right. You don't understand exactly how much that costs because you haven't actually taken the hit for it yet. Yeah. Until you do it two or three, four times, you don't feel the pain. Right. But you know what fascinates me about that is, A, maybe she didn't change her buying style or habits in that trip, but B, will she change them in the future when she uses her own money? Mm -hmm. We would think yes. And if not, do those groceries last longer? True. Or does she not buy the bottle of wine because it's $10 instead? Or does she maybe eat everything before going grocery shopping again? True. Like maybe some things that you would throw out no longer get thrown out. Like, I will never forget when I was in college and my cousin, who's younger, like, quite a bit younger than me, was in middle school selling those stupid pizza kit and breadstick kits yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I Little felt, Caesars? Yeah, it might have been that. I don't even or know pizza if it was hut. that. One of the two. What? Sure. And everybody in my family hits everybody up for this stuff. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I felt obligated as a junior in college with no money to buy it. Do you want to know how long that package of breadsticks lasted because I was poor? 32 minutes? No. (laughs) You get like six in a package, and I think I spread it out as three meals of just breadsticks. And see, if your parents had bought you everything like you think they should have, you wouldn't have gone through that. And yet you grew. Probably would have still been healthy. (laughs) But the idea of everything we've talked about, whether it's the Monopoly game with the real money, whether it's grocery shopping or making somebody pay for it, it's may or, or the 401k. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one because as you get closer to retirement or maybe you're still maybe you're right in the middle, like like from the beginning of your 
accumulation of wealth years to the end, right? You're right in the middle. So if you start at 30 and you're going to end at 70, just as an example, you're 50. Mm -hmm. But you got more money in there now than you've ever had before. Suddenly, a 30% loss or a 40% loss feels more real because you got 200,000 in there. Right. 80, you know, the last time you had a downturn, you had 50,000. Right. So it wasn't that big of a hit. It dropped. But 40% is 40%. I know. But in perspective, in your brain. It was 20 grand. Now it's 80 grand. Right. You will lose more in that case than what you even had in there in the last downturn. Correct. And suddenly it feels more real. Yes. We get rid of that abstraction and our emotional reaction changes. Fair? Mm-hmm. When it becomes real, our emotional reaction is different. Right. Right there. There's your introduction to behavioral finance. Your be- emotion. Don't look at me that way. Emotions oh. impact everything in your life. I'm just looking at you because you go, that's your introduction to behavioral finance. Did you learn that in school today? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> the academic <laughs> world still doesn't believe in behavioral finance for the most part. Just but saying, thank you. You did go back to school today. Yes, fine. <laughs> yes. Graduate classes... But I, I haven't watched. I, I technically I didn't because I didn't have. Time. Oh, uh huh. I'm, I'm behind. <laughs> oh no! And on that bombshell, that's all the time we have for today. We are your hosts. This has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com/slash/fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.